Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath July 1st, we look at Lesson 1, Paul and the Ephesians. Together, let's see the intent behind the Apostle Paul's writing to the Church of Ephesus and what it means for us today. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, Michael, here we are at a new quarter on the book of Ephesians. I'm so excited. Yeah. Michael, you want to tell them the good news about the special guest we have? Well, by now they would have heard it, so, (laughs) but tell tell them to go look at the bonus. So, really excited. If you haven't, check out the bonus episode with John McVeigh the principal contributor for this lesson. I tell you, one of the best interviews we've ever done and just stellar. really stellar. Yes, I mean, I just am so excited about the rest of the quarter after listening to him, God working through him. And and of course, you know, the as he would, you'll hear this on the episode if you listen to it, you know, listen to the text first and foremost, but but just some real sage words of wisdom. You know, I'm a big proponent of expository preaching, which is going through a text chapter text by text. And that's essentially what he's doing this quarter. So it please, is. audience, we're asking you please dive in with us on the book of Ephesians, but also make sure, as Dr. McVeigh will share with you, dive in there for yourself. Don't just listen to our words. Don't just listen to his. Look at it for yourself and allow the God of the universe, but also the God of our hearts to, to speak to you personally. Absolutely. So, well, let's dive in. All right. So we'll start with our memory text this week, Paul and the Ephesians lesson one week one, and it's coming from Ephesians chapter one, verses nine and 10, the ESV. And it says, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And that that's just packed with a lot of a lot of information there, isn't it? Mm hmm. And I, I believe it gets us straight into it. So, Michael, tell us about Paul, the evangelist, to, to Ephesus. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Ephesus is one of the core cities in the ancient Roman Empire. And Heidi and I were just recently in London. So we're in the British Museum. I had this kind of thing going where we've both been to over to uh, Europe a couple of times, but never, I had never been to the British Museum. So we're just having fun going through, you see the Rosetta Stone, all this stuff. There's a great exhibit on on Ephesus because it was just such a important city in the Roman Empire. If anybody's listening to this and you're traveling this summer over to Britain, stop by the British Museum, see the exhibit, mm-hmm. see the stuff on Ephesus. By the way, some of you are like, oh, I can't, I can't travel there. Go to the British Museum website and just type in Ephesus and you're going to see some really cool artifacts. So if you're working on your Sabbath school lesson for this week as you're beginning the new quarter, check out some things and and you can even make a little PowerPoint or show some of those artifacts. You kind of can visualize just a little bit about the this this very important city. And of course, Pastor Paul, he visits there and spend invests a, a fair amount of time visiting the believers in Ephesus. Now, you have to kind of remember, this is not like a, a big university church or one of our, you know, maybe a big institutional or a mega church. This is a group of house churches, small groups, small groups that are scattered in Ephesus and in the region beyond. And and so, yeah, Pastor Paul, he spent some, spent some quality time 
Um, and the lesson points out I mean, some basic facts that you can find in in commentaries and in books that are written on on Ephesus that there were about two hundred fifty thousand people, which right. for ancient Roman city that's a that's a pretty big, pretty large city, prosperous city. There's a lot of temples. It's a it's a cultic we would say a cultic or a religious center because of the the worship of Artemis or Diana. Um, and so there's a lot of things going on and typical of, of a, any ancient Roman city that, you know, you're going to have games and ceremonies and celebrations, et cetera. And by the way, uh, Pastor Paul, he doesn't just kind of like, this is not a one-time hit job here. He just stops and builds up a church and moves on. Um, he has relationships with the believers who are yes. there. He's he's connected to them. So on his third missionary journey, if, if anyone's studying the book of Acts, you know, the different missionary trips. He comes back and visits there again and spends even more time. And I think this is very interesting, the example of Paul and how he does evangelism. It's not, hey, show up for a couple of days or even a couple of weeks and, and evangelize. He actually spends a lot of time in what we call discipleship. He's, he's invested in these people and making sure that not only are they converted intellectually, but discipled in terms of their everyday experience. And so Correct. the book of Ephesians is something he spends what, three years or something like that later, mm -hmm. later on in his third missionary journey. Anyways, he, he, he's invested. He's, he's developing, growing. And I think this is a good model for Buster. You know, this a lot better than I do. You're an expert. If working, I think on your dissertation on church health and church growth, right? Right. Is, is, is what a model, right? No, it's it's a beautiful sight to see, and I loved how Dr. McVeigh put it, which is this is broad and vague enough to hit everyone, but also pointed enough at the gospel and at Christ to help everyone grow and to bring about change, and not to be afraid of that change. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, this should also give us a little bit of an encouragement because. The lesson talks about the seven itinerant Jewish exorcists referred in Acts yes. chapter 19. So there's probably a good reason Pastor Paul's coming back to visit. Like, you know, he knows that yes. there's some aberrant, some weird stuff going on. And and so part of that also, which is why there's these letters, right, that Pastor Paul's writing. These are letters of admonition, not because they're perfect early Christian church believers is because they have real struggles. And so mm. it's in the midst of these kinds of issues, we would say <laughs> this, this church has issues, right? Our, our church Maybe we all issues. do, but yeah. <laughs> but in this specifically, there's, there's some specific context and background and that's, and that's part of it. And that kind of leads to Monday's lesson, which is a riot. So. Yeah. Sure. So a riot in the amphitheater. It's, it's interesting because Paul is going, and when he's going to visit Ephesus, he's not just going to go visit the church. Um, mm -hmm. it, you know, I, this convicted me as I was reading it earlier this week, Michael, which is mm -hmm. sometimes we are so caught up in the Adventist world that we forget we are called to seek and save those which are lost as well. Like mm -hmm. We're supposed to call to, we're called to take care of the household of faith, but there is also this amount of time we're supposed to give in presenting the gospel to others. Well, Paul is doing that, but as he's doing it, he's doing it in the temple. And this temple is one that's dedicated to Artemis. And this gentleman by the name of Demetrius, well, he gets the crowd up in a frenzy and say, like, and he, he quotes this. This is verse 19, verse, chapter 19, verse 34. It says, greatest Artemis of Ephesians. And the crowd comes along and they push Paul out, say, get out of here. This is dedicated mm -hmm. to Artemis. And, and so Paul kind of disperses and he meets with the church. 
instead and continues to minister to them, but they don't want him ministering to the, to the church, to the people at large, if you will. And so we see here that his task isn't easy and neither is the churches, but this is why he's encouraging them to continue their gospel journey, because if they do, uh, they, he can't do the public evangelism like he wants to, but mm-hmm. person by person, relationship by relationship, the church is growing that way. So he's still encouraging wow. them and he's still trying both, right? I think that's a very yeah. important to, to illustrate and know that there's times where he struck out and there's times where he struck gold and mm-hmm. it, you're called to do it diligently. And no matter what happens, no matter what the outcome is, to do it intelligently with Christ and minister to the church and outside of the church, but bringing all to Christ. But then it, it talks about, and Michael, you, you hit on it, his third missionary journey. And there in Acts chapter mm-hmm. 20, verses 17 through 38. And once again, I'm not going to read all that, but there he meet he goes to Miletus. And while he is there, he actually meets with the elders and he talks to them about, hey, this is what Christ has called you to do. As a matter of fact, I will read just this verse. This is verse 34, I believe. I'm getting there. Ah, actually, yeah. You yourselves know that these hands provided for my necessities and for, and for those who are with me. I have shown you every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. He also shares with them in verse 24, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish the race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So he's encouraging them, telling them about his ministry and saying, hey, imitate some of these things that I'm doing. I'm not doing this to get rich. I'm doing this to get rich in Jesus. I'm doing this to build up the household of faith. I'm doing this to expand the kingdom of heaven. And now you continue to do so. And it ends on a, on a sad, happy note because they knelt down and they cry together, verse 36 and 37, and they kiss him and they fall on him. And then he goes off because he says, I'm about to go put, be put in chains. I know what awaits me, but this is what's coming. And I, I love you guys. And that's why I came back to spend time with you, to encourage you to make sure that this church doesn't fall to the wayside. So now it's your responsibility because I don't know if I'll have another journey here. And it's it's beautiful to see Michael, but it is also encouraging, and it's a call to us to sometimes we need to make riots happen. <laughs> now, <laughs> trouble. Yeah, yes, yes, we we have to be careful with this. I understand, but I think sometimes we're too careful. I know myself, I'm too careful with this sometimes because I'm like, well, what if it offends them? And that's why it's so important. We talked about it, reading the room reading the moment, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead. And when God puts on your heart to share the gospel, mm. share the gospel, look for yeah. opportunities and, and do it because it's a, it's a wonderful thing that can happen. Michael, let's go ahead now and share hearing the letter to the Ephesians Tuesday's lesson. Yeah. So this is kind of fun and just throw in a little church history here, right? So right. how do we have the Bible today? We have chapters and verses, right? So Stephen Langton, who lived from 1150 to 1228, he's the one that kind of really deserves the, the credit for how we kind of see the Bible into chapters today. And then during the early modern period, so we're talking the Renaissance, right? The, the humanism and learning and everything else during the late 14 through the 1500s, right? So there's actually a Dominican scholar by the name of Santi Pagini from 1470 to 1541. And he's the one that divided the New Testament, at least into 
versus. So this is a lot of little bit of steps in between. There's a, a few others, kind of the most current version of how we have the verses. There's another guy by the name of Robert Stephanus or Estian, and again, in the 16th century. And so, I mean, you can read some books in church history that has kind of, there's a lot of this. We kind of assume, well, I see my Bible with chapters and verses. It's always been that way. No. Well, it, that's not how it was no. when the apostle wrote it. And that's my only point of bringing out this church history that a lot of the how we have the Bible today is, is it's different. It's changed over time. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, we have to acknowledge that that's, it's just different, right? Yes. And so that's why I think at the beginning, as we speak, as we're looking at the letter to the Ephesian Christians here, then we have to remember that there's groupings of verses that would have had a natural flow of thought together. Bible scholars call this a pericope, right? This this mm -hmm. idea, or in literary, this you know, this this are units of thought that belong together. And so, what Dr. McVeigh is urging us as we read and begin our study of Ephesians, read the whole book. Just read the whole book, as we're going to get into the the nitty gritty of a lot of different verses and passages. But read the whole thing all at once. And so, for our listeners, I would encourage you to to perhaps consider reading the book of Ephesians in a different translation. If you're used to using a certain translation, maybe it's the King James or New King James or NIV or or whatever it is, you know, find a different Bible translation, hear the words from just a slightly different uh, perspective and, and, and read or listen. And by the way, I love audio versions of the Bible, especially like in my car, if I'm, you know, just check it out. There's some really cool audio Bible translations. Just sit down this as you're preparing this Sabbath school lesson or you're just wanting for your own spiritual nourishment, just just listen to it and and sit down in a quiet, meditative place and and just give that some very careful reflection. I think that's just really, really important for us yes, as we're beginning the the lesson. And and by the way, I, I think this is really neat. I've just been reading an important article by Ellen White about about the importance of how we go about doing Bible study, right? That it's not just that that we just casually kind of flippantly, and she says this in 1870, we must devote time yes. to the study of the scriptures. A mere casual reading of them is not enough. We should investigate and pray that our understanding may be quickened to comprehend the teachings of the precious word of God. And so, and, and she goes on and say this, life principle is found in Christ. So we, we come to know Jesus Christ more deeply and, and, and experientially as our, our personal Lord and Savior, as we encounter, encounter the Christ of Scripture, the, the very one who Pastor Paul's talking about. So listen to it, hear the words, and do, do the whole book. And that's, that's my encouragement to, to our listeners. But uh, now we have to go back and kind of look at it in its own context, its own time. Wow. Tell us, Buster, about that. Yeah. So, Michael, I just want to add to what you shared. Sometimes as you're reading the Bible, you're like, man, that that just doesn't flow. Well, it's probably because the and, and this is the beauty of the scripture, mm -hmm. though, is yeah. that when you pick up the Bible, it's the shared version amongst all denominations. Right. So like this yeah. is what we have agreed. Hey, we're not we're not changing this, but. Adventist translation. Or exactly. Something. Yeah. No, like this is in chapter six, verse one is Ephesians chapter six, verse one. But. As your my prayer partner and I, we're going through the book of Genesis right now. We finished first, second, and third Peter, and 
we're reading it and we're reading the first chapter and then we're reading chapter two, verse one and two. And we're like, man, this actually goes with chapter one and really does. But Mm -hmm. once again, there's a beauty in it of reading scripture for yourself on a wide scale and actually, like you said, wrestling with it, spending time with it, allowing it to speak to you and not just not just for 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 knowledge sake, but for transformation sake, reading the Mm. word of God, and allowing it to speak back to us. And this kind of gets us into Ephesians chapter one. It, It says, what how does Paul begin and end his letter to the believers in Ephesus? And how do we learn about his deepest desires for them? Well, there's a, a kind of cereal that he prescribes to them, Gracie's Pieces. <laughs> he, he shares with them, he says, a grace and peace to you several times in these chapters. Like it. And a matter of fact, I'll read th- this for you. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from, our, from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he ends very similarly, talking about he sends, he sends his faithful minister to them to be with them. And then verse 23, peace to the brethren and love and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. And so this is what he wishes for them. He, ris- he wishes grace and peace and love to them. I think it's important to remember that because... As we're going, do you really wish grace and peace to all believers? Because sometimes we say, hey, if they don't believe exactly how I want them to believe, curses to them. Now, you might say, I would never curse them. Well, cursing them with your mouth and cursing them with your mind is two different things. But at the same time, if that's how your heart feels, it's very hard to wish someone grace and peace. But we see what Paul's wishing for them here. And then it ends with this in this lesson. How does, how does Paul worry about the effect of, of his imprisonment? and how it will affect the church that's there in Ephesus. And he, he shares this, verse, chapter 3, verse 13. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And so he knows that they're concerned about him, but he's saying, hey, I'm okay. I'm still praying for you, grace and peace to you while I'm imprisoned. <laughs> that's very difficult to do, and yet we see someone who's actually living it out. And it's mm-hmm. an encouragement to us, just a reminder to us, that we're here not to live our lives, to build our own kingdoms, to build our own selves. We're here to mm. serve others, and we serve others through serving God. And that yeah. is the life that's well-lived in discipleship. So, Michael, tell us about Ephesians, a Christ-saturated letter. Yeah, so this is just, I mean, it's all about Jesus. It's yes, it all is. about Jesus. I've been working for some time now on this Amethyst Encyclopedia thing, working on different articles, but I'm working on the whole 1880 General Conference session, you know, how, you know, and it just reminds me of, you know, how easy it is for us as Adventists throughout our Adventist past to to start focusing on on how good we are because we have the truth, we have the Sabbath, we have these different things, and we forget to keep Christ at the center of that. And Ephesians, it's it's interesting, the whole 1888 saga was about fighting over the law in Galatians and Romans and stuff, you know, and, and somehow it's interesting that Ephesians kind of gets overlooked a bit. And, and so, which is, I just think what Galatians and Romans is all about too, is this righteousness by faith, but you just see Christ, how much we need Jesus Christ. And if I learn anything from our Adventist past about 1888, it's our need 
to keep Christ at, at the center of the Adventism's at its best when Christ is at the center of our Adventist, our Christ, our Christian experience, you know. And, and verses, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 talks about this. I, I just find this so beautiful. It says, and I will read this from the NIV, He made known to us the mystery of his will according Amen. to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ yes. to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And I think this is important at the beginning of the letter, kind of like a purpose statement, you know, or homiletical idea for pastors, you know, this, what's the big idea? What's the main idea? And this is it. It's, it's about Christ. Christ has, he has made known the mystery of his will. He, that is God's purpose towards us. This is good pleasure. Uh, he purposed in Christ. He, he wants us to be saved. God has good intense intentions for us. God's not trying to trip us up and how can I keep you out of heaven? And I just, you know, he, he wants us to be miserable. No, it's quite the, the, opposite. the opposite. And so when we see that, when we experience Christ at the center is what it's all about. And this, by the way, this article, I'm just so moved by it that I just have been studying by Ellen White. Practical Remarks is the name of the article from, from 1870 published in the review. And, and Ellen White talks about the same kind of thing. I, I think sometimes we're almost afraid of it. Is it possible to be too Christ-centered, right? As, as if somehow that might threaten our Adventist beliefs, but it's it's actually very different. And and so, and Ellen White talks about this working out of our own salvation, right? She talks about this this process of sanctification and 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 everything else. She says that we would we do well if we would regard the work of repentance, faith, and devotion as essential to the formation of the religious characters. And, and, or she's talking about our religious characters. She's talking about Adventists, right? And, right. and so I think this is really important that we sometimes think, well, is it, is it the keeping of the Sabbath? Well, yeah, that is, is important, but only so much as we experience Christ each and every day. And in fact, she even says it's not enough to just go to a meeting. What she means is going to church, you know, listening to the sermon or whatever, unless we actually experience the spirit of Jesus in our lives. And I like this. This is later on the same article in our lives of yes. devotion and love. And that brings about gentleness and pity and compassion, self-denial and, and purity. All these things result as, as a part of that of that Christian experience. By the way, my one of my new favorite Ellen White quotes, I just have to throw this in here just for the fun of it here. Let's she do goes it. on to say that if you're not careful, you can run into trouble. How we share our faith matters a great deal. And here's the quote, we are not to use the truth as a club to beat our neighbors with. <laughs> How do you like that, Buster? <laughs> That's the uh, thing, Mike, Michael, let's go clubbing. <laughs> Well, some Adventists are very good at clubbing, Buster. Yes, they are. Yes. <laughs> in in multiple ways. And and listen here, don't do any of them. Don't club don't club at <laughs> no, all. Just no clubbing. Clubs. Yes, no exactly. clubbing. <laughs> That's the takeaway for today, you know. But Christ is the center of scripture. He's the center of the book of Ephesians. Just bask in the love of Jesus and experience Christ more deeply as we pursue the Sabbath school lesson this quarter. You, you know, that reminds me of Maxwell's book, and he pretty much makes terms. It's sort of like how to win friends and influence people, but uh, he has yeah. this principle. He calls it the the hammer principle. 
He's like, mm. he's like, don't come after people the hell with a hammer. He's like, go after them instead with a velvet glove. And that the gospel Ooh. is a velvet glove of approach, of love, of care. And, you know, it's a soft approach. It's a caring approach that actually draws people in. So Winning with People is the name of that book. So please, don't, don't club, don't hammer. <laughs> Be <laughs> big Christ-centered. Well, we I think that puts a wrap for as we begin this new quarter. So excited. Listen to that bonus episode if you haven't. And we're hoping to have a few special guests on this quarter as well. So stay tuned for that. Until next week, this is Sue. And Swoops. Signing out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible. And be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, sabbathschoolrescue.org, for each weekly episode.